We're finishing our series looking at gifts and joyful sacrifice. It's our fifth uh, sermon in the series, and we've been doing it in parallel with the 410 Project. The 410 Project is an initiative of the ministry team who have been exploring with us the different ways in which you would like to serve, the different ways in which you might want to serve more, the different ways even that you might want to serve less. And uh, we've got close to half our church who participated uh, in, a, in an interview, essentially, uh, and we'd love to finish off uh, by the end of March uh, those who are yet to have a conversation with us about how you'd like to serve. And also, and also the question that we've been asking is, where do you see us going as a church? Because if you ask three people that question, what's wrong with our church? What's the problem in our church? What do, what do we need to do more? What do we need to do less? You know what you get? If you ask three people that question, you get three different answers. And we might think that that's a problem. But what I've been reminded of as we've looked at this series is that that's not a problem. The fact that we have in this room and within our church a variety of opinion and a difference of opinion even, that's not a problem. That is in fact a joy. Because what that displays and what that shows to us is that God has gifted all of us. But more than that, He's gifted all of us with different gifts. And so what often happens is the areas that we are gifted in are the things that we would like to see done. And so we ask people, different people with different gifts. We get a range of different opinions. And what we're going to see today is why that is not a problem. Why, in fact, that is a joy. This is the title of the last sermon in our series. Uh, the joy of gifts. And what I want to really do today is help us see that not only are gifts given by God, not only is it a good thing to serve and to exercise those gifts, but it is in fact a joyous thing. It is in fact a joyous thing. And we're going to have a look at that section that Doug read out to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that second section of chapter 12. We had a look at the first section in our first sermon in the series. And so in this last sermon in the series, we're going to look at this second section from verses 12 following. So if you want to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll keep it open if you have it there. In the first part of the chapter, in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul had explained, we saw in our first week, that there are a variety of gifts a variety of spiritual gifts, ministries and effects, but all of these come from the one Holy Spirit. And all of them are energised by him and are given only as he determines. And you might remember that the Corinthians had a problem with this. They had a problem with the diversity of God's gifts. The problem wasn't that there was a diversity, their problem was between the diversity of God's gifts. The Corinthians were focusing on just a few of those gifts. 
and for many reasons, but not least of which their culture, the Corinthians valued a small number of the more spectacular or showy gifts and looked down on those who didn't have those gifts, considered one form of gift to be superior. And if a person didn't have that kind of gift, well, in the Corinthian mindset, within this church in Corinth, they were seen as a lesser Christian. They were seen as lacking. And so what Paul wants to do is he wants to bring this church, which has a diversity of gifts as God intends, but he wants to bring them into a unity. He wants them to see, in fact, not the problem of other people's gifts, but he wants them to see the joy of others' gifts. And the way he does that, you might have picked up in our reading, was he gives this illustration. This illustration that is probably Paul's most uh, common illustration of the church, and that is that of a body, a proper functioning human body. See there in verse 12 that this body has both a unity and a diversity. It says there in verse 12, the body is a unit. Sometimes it's translated, the body is one, though it is made up of many parts. Here the apostle is explaining these diverse gifts. And he's explaining that these diverse gifts haven't come out of just the diversity of humanity. You know, that we have lots of different people in the world. No, that's not where the diversities come from. The diversity of those gifts has come as a work of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying here, in a similar way, that a human body, although it's one kind of thing, one unit, it is in fact composed of all these different parts. And even a single unified body requires the difference of a hand from a foot to function. See, Paul's point, in, it, Paul's point here is diversity, difference in gift is actually essential. It's essential for the functioning of a healthy body. It brings with it some problems, but it's essential for the functioning of the body. He continues on there in verse 12, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. Here Paul is stating the opposite of what he first stated there in verse 12. Even though there's this diversity of members, they must work together for the proper functioning of the one body. And really, in this first verse, in verse 12 here, uh, we have the summary of what Paul is saying here in the entire chapter that there is this diversity, but it's not just a diversity, it's a diversity that comes together as one. As one. Why is this the case? Well, Paul goes on to say there in verse 12, so also, or so it is with Christ. Paul opens up an individual set of truths, truths here, and 
what he's saying to us is individuals become part of the church only because they have become uh, united with Christ. So the logic of Paul's thinking is there's a diversity of gifts, there's a diversity of people, they all come together as one, just like Christ. So it is with Christ, is Paul's point. What Paul is saying here is that the church is only the church. The church is only the body because the Lord Jesus is its head. The Lord Jesus is the one, through the work of the Spirit, who brings all these diverse gifts into one, into one body. And he forms that body. He forms that body as the word of God is taken out. As men and women come to hear of the Lord Jesus, as you've come to hear of the Lord Jesus. That's, what's, uh, that's why verse 13 starts with that word for. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body. Here Paul is describing how this body is formed, how this church has come into being. For by one spirit we were all baptised into one body. This is really significant for us to understand. That the formation of the body is a work of the Holy Spirit And it's a work of the Holy Spirit to unite us together as a body with Christ as our head. And who is doing this work of joining us together? It's the Holy Spirit there in verse 13. I don't know if you're a member of a club. Any person a member of a club? Yep. Uh, You know, there's varying uh, degrees of uh, hoops that you have to jump through to join a club. Um, If you want to join Briars down the road, in fact, if you live in the area, you have to join to get in. And all all the qualification is necessary that you're over 18 and that you pay them $5 for a year. Uh, The more prestigious the club, the more um, stringent uh, the assessment is on who they welcome. Um, I know a number of number of people in our church are members of Concord Golf Club. Now, they don't let anyone in at Concord Golf Club. You can't just walk in there and pay money and say, I'd like to be a member. It doesn't work like that. You have to know someone. And they have to say that you're an all right person. And in fact, you have to, I think, is, I'm, I'm right, I think you have to know two people. And they have to endorse you before you can become a full member of the prestigious Concord Golf Club. This is not what it is to become a member of the body of Christ. Anyone who places his trust, his or her trust in Jesus, becomes a full-fledged member of Christ's body at the moment he or she is saved. And this means that there are no partial Christians. And more than that, it means that there are no partial members of Christ's body. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does his work 
in uniting you and me together as one, as one body. And this is a miraculous work. This is a work that's incredible. This is a work that we too often just gloss over. Yes, I'm a member of church, meaning I go to this group of people, a bit like I join this kind of club and it's just the Christian equivalent. But that's not the case. And that's what Paul wants to remind the Corinthian church and indeed I think what he wants to remind us, that the Holy Spirit is at work in a special way, baptising us, joining us to him. And it doesn't matter what your qualification is. It doesn't matter who you know or don't know. Have a look there in verse 13, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Paul's explaining here the meaning of that word all in the previous verse. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your cultural background is. It doesn't matter what your social class is or your economic status. The church consists of believers from a wide diversity of our world because the Holy Spirit sees fit to join those people, you and me, from different backgrounds together as one. And as we do this, Paul reminds us that we're all singing from the same song sheet. He doesn't quite use that language there in verse 13, but he says... We were all given the one spirit to drink. Here, Paul is reminding us that just as there are no partial members of Christ's body, there are no Christians who are partially indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In the Corinthian church, it was clear, it was obvious those who had the Holy Spirit They were the ones who had the showy gifts. They were the ones up front. They were the popular people. They had the Holy Spirit. But Paul cuts through Corinthian culture. And in fact, he cuts through human culture. He cuts through our sense of what's more important and less important. The moment a believer trusts in the Lord Jesus, they are baptised into by the Spirit, into full membership of the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in every believer. That means that that there can be no room for pride. Uh, Often those who exercise the kind of gifts that are more seen are tempted to pride. And those just who don't, may feel a little inferior. But it is not the exercise of the gift that makes us a member. We don't become more part of the church by doing more or by exercising a gift. No, the Holy Spirit has brought us in to the body of Christ. We are not partial members, we are full members. And because we are full members... We have the privilege and joy of exercising our gifts, not to get into the middle, not to get up above, but because we know that the Holy Spirit has united us with one another. 
And so this is really helpful, I think, because I know many of us, as we've talked to you, particularly through the 410 project, um, many of us have expressed that, well, we don't feel quite adequately gifted. Well, Paul has something to say to us who feel that way. Have a look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. This is Paul restating this principle of the diversity of gifts. And here he states it in a way in verse 14 that helps us see that that diversity is needed. And he gives this illustration of the body, the foot and the ear, comparing themselves, the hand, the eye. And in their own estimation, their view of their own gifts is of less value perhaps of no value. Possibly those gifts aren't needed in comparison to the other gifts, the showy gifts, the Corinthian gifts, the things that we automatically think of. One member is looking down on another in the Corinthian church, perhaps devaluing other people's gifts. And when that happens, what do you think those people do who feel a sense of inferiority? Well, they start to deny their own gifts. If they're looked down upon, people question their own gifts. But notice that just because one member thinks this and expresses this thought, it doesn't make it true. It is not what we think that maintains our status as part of the body. It's the one-time action of the Holy Spirit in uniting us together with the body of God's people. And so the truth which was expressed there in verse 14 actually provides the antidote to anyone feeling inferior in the life of a church. Diversity is required. You, by your very membership, of Christ's body are required. You may not see yourself and the way that God has made you and the gifts that he has given you. You may not see the potential, the significance, even um, the fact that they are gifts. But we need to remember the truth is, as Paul states here in verse 14, that they are just as necessary for the proper functioning of the body as any gift, any gift, no matter what we might see it as, every person and therefore every gift is necessary for the body. And so the very existence of the church as the body of Christ depends on that diversity, on that difference, and not just that, on the union of those diverse gifts coming together. Because, verse 18, God has placed those members. God has arranged them. The way we are gifted here and the, the mix and range of gifts are a direct result of God's work amongst us. It's not a random chance of geography 
or of how you happen to come and hear about Point Church. No, verse 18 reminds us that God has placed those members. He has arranged them. He has therefore connected us to one another. And so the truth is that the power and activity of God is at work in the body by the Holy Spirit, whether we realise it or not, just as he desired there in verse 18. This is what God wants. What we have within our church is God's desire, his forethought, his intention, his resolve is seen in the people that we have in our church and in the diversity of those gifts. To think of your own gift or your place within the body of Christ, to diminish that is actually to diminish the work of God. To think that you're not particularly valued or significant is to diminish the work of God because he has placed you exactly where he wants you. And so therefore, we don't need to be proud because God has gifted us. We don't need to feel inferior because we can't in perhaps one moment see the way in which that God has gifted us. We need to remember the joy that we have in expressing the place, not in finding our place, but expressing the place that we have as God's people within his church. We come together to use our gifts to express our unity. And we see that in verse 25. We see that the express purpose of God is bringing us together as one, that there may be no division. It's not just the diversity of gifts that's necessary. It's that they come together as one, verse 25. God desires in the diversity of gifts not to create division, but quite the opposite. As the Holy Spirit is at work, he desires for unity, but that the members may have the same care for one another. See, instead of um, feeling inferior or uh, superior, Paul here in verse 25 reminds us, as we see that difference, the difference is an opportunity to care for one another. That word there, that same care, is the word to look after, to promote the interest of another person, to provide for someone. See what the exercise of, of our gifts does? There in verse 25 we're reminded that it's the nourishing and cherishing activity that characterises our life, that displays what it is to be in the body of Christ. We have a tremendous privilege. We were reminded last week of the privilege that we're given. In Ephesians chapter 2, God says that he has good works for us to do. As he saves us, he saves us for a purpose and for a reason. And we've seen here this morning that as we realise the diversity of our gifts, as those gifts come together in unity, they come together for our own joy. 
and for our edification, for our nourishment as God's people. And I can, and I, I, I'm sure it's safe to say that one of the most encouraging realities of church life is to see others exercising their gifts. When you see someone serving and it nourishing the needs of others, that's a tremendous encouragement. Now, often, for, for those of us who are exercising that gift at that moment, we don't feel it, we don't see how encouraging it is, but we need to be reminded that as we exercise those gifts, as they are given for the nourishment, for the edification of God's people, that is a tremendous joy. We have a joy in exercising the gift, but more than that, as a body of Christ's people coming together as one, we have the joy of seeing others exercise their gifts and being nourished by them. Let's pray that we may be able to do it and rejoice in it. For Christ's sake, amen. Please stand as we sing.